0: Hello, and welcome to episode 50. 50, Ryan, can you believe that? I can't. 50 episodes. Episode 50 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. For this episode, we're watching Network, a movie that was made in 1976 but remains eerily relevant. We usually choose our movies based on some anniversary or movie release, but this time we wanted to watch a movie that could possibly offer some insight into the current political climate however scary that insight may be.
1: Network was widely lauded when it was released, earning Oscar wins for Peter Finch, the first, I think, posthumous Oscar awarded for acting. Yeah. Yep. Um, Faye Dunaway, Beatrice Strait, and re- writer Petty Chayefsky. On top of the wins, they got nominations in several other categories, including Best Picture. It often appears in discussions of great films, and its cynical depiction of the media has been frustratingly relevant in every decade since its release.
0: But the question is Does relevance make for a good
1: movie? Or is it time to call in a hit on network? Keep listening.
2: Seven share in both cities. Last night, Howard Beale went on the air and yelled bullshit for two minutes, and I can tell you right now that tonight's show will get a 30 share at least. I think we've lucked into something.
3: Oh, for God's sakes, Diana, are you suggesting we put that lunatic back on the air yelling bullshit?
2: Yes, I think we should put Beale back on the air tonight and keep him on. Did you see the news this morning? Did you see the Times? We've got press coverage on this you couldn't buy for a million dollars. Frank. That dumb show jumped five rating points in one night. Tonight's show has got to be at least 15. We just increased our audience by 20 or 30 million people in one night. Now, you're not going to get something like this dumped in your lap for the rest of your days, and you can't just piss it away. Howard Beale went up there last night and said what every American feels, that he's tired of all the bullshit. He's articulating the popular rage. I want that show, Frank. I can turn that show into the biggest smash on television.
0: What do you mean you want that show? It's a news show. It's not your department.
2: I see Howard Beale as a latter-day prophet, a magnificent messianic figure inveighing against the hypocrisies of our times. A strip Savonarola Monday through Friday—that I tell you, Frank—could just go through the roof. And I'm talking about a six-dollar cost per thousand show. I'm talking about a hundred, a hundred thirty thousand-dollar minutes. Do you want to figure out the revenues of a strip show that sells for a hundred thousand bucks a minute? One show like that could pull this whole network right out of the hole now, Frank. It's being handed to us on a plate.
1: Let's not blow it. That was Diana Christensen, uh, played by Faye Dunaway in the movie we're discussing today, Network. Um, as, a, as a studio or network uh, head honcho. Producer. Of, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's taking the uh, kind of the, the angry rants of Howard Beale, uh, a, a news anchor who's gone a little bit off the rails. And instead of wanting to fire him like everybody else at the network, she sees... As a golden opportunity. Yeah. yeah. The dollar signs, uh, which is where kind of network forms its story. Mm-hmm. That idea of anger becoming such a uh, undeniable feeling mm-hmm. in the, in the, in a country uh, is sort of where we decided to start with network.
0: Yeah, uh, network definitely shows what it looks like when you uh, capitalize on that anger. Yeah,
1: when you try to try to bottle it and sell it back to people.
0: Right. And that's just, I think, one of the things that's yes. sort of talked about in network or shown in network. And I'm sure we're going yeah, to get into a lot more in our it's discussion. Jam packed movie, yeah. But um, I think you know we just decided to revisit this one because, well, first of all, we both wanted to watch it again. It had yes. been a long time. Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned in uh, our intro, this movie, in particular, seems to uh, have this way of feeling very relevant. No matter what's going on in mm-hmm. our country, ever since basically its release in the 70s, right. 80s, 90s, all the way up to today, it, people have been watching this movie and saying, man, this movie got it right. Um, and, yeah. But it seems like we're in a new place politically. Yeah. Our country is in a very different place, a very sort of unsettling, in it, a lot of ways, place. And it feels and,
1: like an unprecedented place. Yeah.
0: So I think it was good to maybe revisit this and say, okay, so is it still relevant? It certainly seemed on the surface of it like it was speaking to a lot of what was going on, but I I wanted to jump back into it, revisit it, Mm -hmm. and and say, well, what is it really saying about these things, and does it still apply?
1: And I I think you're hard-pressed to find people talking about this movie and not be using the word prescient. Everybody feels like the movie saw something in the future that for some reason other people weren't, uh, which... Maybe is, uh, short the movie's, uh, ability to capture what was happening at the time too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, maybe it's just that we keep running into the same problems or there's an underlying problem that the movie
0: is getting at mm-hmm. that, that, that manifests itself, um, in different ways throughout the decades. So why don't we, uh, you know, go through the motions here. <laughs> let's, let's yeah. maybe just do, do, uh, our, our usual episode, uh, you know, what 50 episodes in now. Yeah. Wow. It, I, i
1: yeah, and I guess uh, in a way it's strange that we're doing this one for our 50th episode because it's <laughs> I guess not, that's it's true. Not yeah. Like one that it's not a uh muppet christmas carol or something that like, or
0: anything that has even really super personal right. uh, meaning to us. Like really.
1: I feel like there are several movies if we wanted to go that way we could have done uh Babel on this one yeah. or we could have gone for <laughs> uh something that we really both love or um uh, the the work of a director we love but we're going with yeah. something
0: that I don't even think uh, we have Talked
1: network no ever ever but I guess we're using our uh, our free will to uh, pick a movie of uh, that's that's addressing our feelings yeah. at the time <laughs> that's so. what's lovely about podcasts so, yeah. we're right. our own producers here, yeah so.
0: there's no network head I don't know if you have much of a story about the first time I you saw this movie I don't
1: uh, same as so many of our other movies that it was just I kept hearing about it seeing it in books and uh, everywhere about movies important movies from the 70s all these things Um, And so I got it one day, genuinely don't remember when or where I was when I saw it. Um, And I remember liking it, but I don't think I was looking at it,
0: especially critically. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily ready to think about uh, its themes. Do you remember, like, uh, maybe not exact age, but what stage of life were you talking here? Like high school, college, post-college? Probably
1: college to post-college. I don't know, which is a pretty wide range of time. Right. I remember dutifully liking it, mm-hmm. you know, like, ah, yeah. like uh, yes, it, it, that it, it, is a good movie,
0: like everybody said. It met your expectations, I guess, uh, uh, and and those were going to be pretty high just because of the acclaim. Yeah, I guess so. Do you uh, remember if if you did a, a star rating at all on uh, Letterboxd? I gave it four. That feels like a... Yeah, a good it's movie. It's a classic yeah. movie that I didn't hate, like, <laughs> you know. Nothing so, too controversial here. Right,
1: yeah. right. You uh, do you have any specific memories?
0: Yeah, no, not much of a story either. Pretty much the exact same thing. I know I watched it. It was it was post college, uh, but it was definitely one of those movies I picked up at the library to check off the list. Had heard a lot about, and mm-hmm. um, the cast looked really appealing to me. Sure, um, I had hadn't had any familiarity with uh, any of Sydney Lumet's stuff at all, yeah. or up up at that point. Um, right, but yeah, I had pretty much the same thing. I, I watched it and. Um, just like you, I, I it was it was a movie that I knew was widely praised, and um, I really liked it, and I definitely understood why it was widely praised and why why people held it in such high regard, right? Um, and. Yeah, I guess I did too. <laughs> I was, But but yeah, at that time in my life, a lot of the ideas that are presented in there, I think I kind of skimmed on the, on the surface of most sure. of them. And I didn't really dig too deeply into them and, and didn't think too critically about what they meant for my life or anything right. like that. Um, and I also, over the years, because it's been years now, Over the years, I think my memory of the movie is really just sort of like the ranting of Howard Beale. And that's about where it ended. And I barely even remembered much of what happens between, like, you know, uh, Diana Christensen and And and, and, and Max's characters, that whole love interest, love affair thing. Almost entirely forgot most of that. And so, um, yeah, I I obviously, um, I, I did take it in that first time, but I don't think I really let it settle in as deeply as as maybe it it merited
1: i think it's one of the few movies that i would say you're better off knowing more about it going in Hmm. because then you kind of know what you're looking for because coming from when it came in the 70s 76 um you know you think of like the scorsese movies around then you think of Faye Dunaway, rightly or wrongly, you kind of lump the movies together. Like of the Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Chinatown, yeah, and that kind right, of Faye Dunaway right. with. Yeah. And this is nothing like Very any. Very different. Those. Yeah. So I feel like I would have done better to know this is an essay movie. <laughs> like right. this movie is an op ed. Um, so be looking for that rather mm-hmm. than like, you know. Travis Bickle or something like, yeah, whatever, for, for whatever reason, that was sort of like the, the American seventies cinema, this movie
0: in some ways fits, but it also definitely is an oddball. Yeah. I think that when I had first watched it, I didn't even know, I didn't know Patty Chayosky at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that this movie was really, it was kind of the script that was what people talked about a lot. I mean, the performances are all there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But that's really what people are highlighting people when they talk about that work as and, his movie, Paddy his uh, yeah. movie. And another. so I don't think I was watching it that first time with that in mind no. at all. And it was no. just the the dialogue and and the the actual language of the film. It wasn't what I was really keying in on or, or right. focusing in on as I was watching it. Did you rate it? I did. Uh, I I gave it a four and a half. So sure. Well, did the rating change watching it again? Not really. Okay. Uh, I think I would keep mine at at four and a half. I might. I might take it down to four if I'm being a little more honest with um, yeah. myself in in sort of the the entire realm of my mu- movie viewing and personally sure. where it lands. It's probably more of a four, but I have a feeling as we talk about it more, it yeah, might we'll go see. back up. We'll yeah. see. It's t- it's sort of teetering between the two, four and four and a half. For yeah, me. that's for minus. It's still two. a really good movie. Yeah. So yeah. So
1: well, then let's talk about it.
0: Uh, I, I'll uh... t- I'll be honest. With you, I'm a little nervous talking about this one. Why you want to know why? I, I I suppose I do. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you anyways. Okay, <laughs> there's okay. a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it's almost impossible to talk about this movie without getting somewhat political. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and um, tipping our political yeah, hand more. Yeah, which I guess I'm okay with. Um, oh, I don't okay. mind sharing that stuff, but I also don't feel like I'm an expert on it. So no, there's probably yeah. holes in my political theory. And right, that. right, right. I also feel like uh, this movie has so many capsules of just stuff you know like so much in the language and so much in in the in the ranting and who's telling the rants and i'm almost worried that that i'm not smart enough to to talk about this movie like like uh people who have studied you know politics or studied the media a lot more uh, or like
1: know about seventies media or seventies yeah. politics and what the movie
0: maybe was directly. So, this is such I a guess, much more explicitly philosophical film in a right. lot of ways that I almost feel like am I it is do I have do I have the the gumption to go, to do this you know to to jump in and actually talk at some level of depth and and with some type of authority on how I felt about this movie and yeah. and and what I feel like the movie's trying to say or mean yeah you know
1: well I guess then that's just the caveat for. Uh, anybody listening we're not experts in anything <laughs> so uh we are just basing this on our reactions to the movie and how we feel about the world right now mm-hmm. as much as we know about it so if we are missing large portions be kind but let us know yeah Uh and uh yeah be uh be gracious to us. <laughs> this is uh yep, so I bet everybody's excited to keep
0: listening. And maybe we'll get into the um what this even means for the movie, but I feel like the way that I interpret one scene in the movie said by a certain person, whatever, the way I interpret that could be reasonably interpreted totally differently by somebody else. Sure. Just because even though the words are the same that you're hearing, it's the character who's saying it, it's where it's at in the movie in the context and keeping that all keeping track of all that is, is kind of its own acrobatics as you're watching the movie. You know, I feel like for instance, you know, and we can get into generals about how we feel about the movie, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you take the character like Howard Beale and he's presenting a lot of populist anger. Yeah. But I also feel like that's really what Patty Chayefsky believes. Right. But he's also kind of a guy who's insane. So, or he's not insane, but he's, he's obviously on the verge of a breakdown or he's, he's having, you know, these hallucinatory visions and, Mm -hmm. and so one, like I could interpret that as, but that's, that's really supposed to be, uh, as far as the movie is concerned, this is the truth right here. Right. What is it? Or is it more of, you know, um you're you're supposed to not really be paying much attention to what he's saying and paying more attention to how people are latching onto it and and the the terrifying aspect of that, you know. Right. right. I, I don't know, you right. know, and that's where I sort of get lost. It was it's free or so. Okay, let's well, let's start very very openly. Did you see the breath. movie? <laughs> I,
1: I I believe I
0: did. Okay. As far as we can tell
1: what reality is.
0: We've In, both seen with, the movie. From my vantage point, from my perspective, I did watch this movie. Uh, okay. I, and I and I believe strongly that you did too. I, I My belief lines up with your belief. Okay. So
1: then move more specifically to your question. What were you going to say?
0: I was just going to ask you, what are some of the maybe, very generally, what were some of your first impressions, I guess? Let's get out of the deep thoughts. As a movie, what was your first impressions?
1: Okay. So... It's very philosophical. It's almost an essay of a movie. It's a very, it's a very um, opinionated, and uh, you know, point of view is is very important in this movie,
0: and it's Chayefsky's point of view, uh, I think, largely. Movie- and for those who don't know, by the way, I don't want him to pull up but Paddy, Ch- Paddy Chayefsky was the screenwriter. Yes, and he won an Oscar for the screen. He did for for the screenplay.
1: Okay, so as that as like this personal his exploration of the state of media the the state of um, the individual fighting against the tide of corporations uh the tide of curated information, um, the tide of power being consolidated uh, outside of the hands of people i think it's it's a fascinating and um important point of view and it's it's really something to pay attention to. As a movie, the performances are great. There are scenes that I love. I think it's a very funny movie in very unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a reason we both forgot about the Diana and Max mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last third of the movie, like the end of act two, you know, beginning of act three, I feel like it kinda of loses itself. Mm-hmm. He works in some extended metaphors there, and actually calls attention to them mm-hmm. by calling them what they are. There's some meta ness to uh, within their relationship. What yeah, yeah.
4: I'm not some guy discussing male menopause on the Barbara Walters show. I'm the man that you presumably love. I'm part of your life. I live here. I'm real can't switch to another station.
2: Well, what exactly is it you want me to do?
4: I just want you to love me. I just want you to love me, primal doubts and all.
1: And again, philosophically, that's fascinating. But I feel like at that point, the movie I, I was I was kind of tuning
0: out. Um, I could see that in a um, sense. Yeah, I mean, all the way up until you you do finally get the ending. That's where things just the the, the satire I think gets laid on heavily to yes. the to the point of uh, you know absurdity, where right. the the network is discussing in a room how they're going to assassinate, assassinate Howard Beale, yeah. which
1: even that felt a little uneven and tidy because there had been satire earlier, which was, I thought was great, and we can talk
0: more about it. The ending is just so over the top. Do you mean what actually happens about him being assassinated or do you mean um, just the way that... They're it just, the, the, it just it seems c- quick almost, the way that they sort of make that conclusion. It, and it then, is very yeah. quick.
1: but it, I, So the very ending, the way they handle it with like the... They they show how the networks are reporting it and how it cuts to commercial. And, like, it's just another one of the things that happens. Like, it wasn't even, like, a really big deal. It's just Mm -hmm. covered, like, any other news story, any sensationalized news story. I think that was done well. But it kind of – this is nitpicky, probably. For me, it just felt like it was really reveling in the irony to the point that I was like, you need to cool it. Yeah. It's tough to make a thesis statement into believable drama. (laughs) Yeah. You
0: know? Aaron Sorkin's still trying to figure out how to do that well and a lot of his stuff comes off as self-righteous right and, you know uh... can
1: I can I this is totally speculation it only ha- happened because I, I was searching network in IMDB and the movies that come up are the social network and network I kind of wonder if the title of the social network was he was trying to make a network for the social network
0: I think that's a perfect analysis, actually. I think that's exactly what he was doing because he mentions Patty Chayefsky in his acceptance speech at the Oscars. Oh. And he actually well, said... Man, look at me. Yeah. He actually said he thinks that network is more relevant and more accurate than even um, you know stuff like Orwell or whatever. Uh-huh. And then uh, he says, because the devaluing of truth are just part of our way of life now. I think Sorkin is just trying to make network over and over again, but like a more updated version of it. Yeah. I thought this movie – I could understand certainly why every decade seems to figure out a way to make it Mm -hmm. super relevant because I think that it hits on – I wouldn't say they're universal truths, but I think they are – uh, these truths that are very at the core of America as a country, yeah. and they're not going to go away anytime right. soon. Uh-huh. It's almost like there's these foundations of our country uh, that he is sort of uh, exposing yeah. as the flaws inherently in those. Right. But there were other ways where, kind of like what you're saying, it almost seemed like the the critiques were simultaneously self-congratulatory and like quaint at the same yeah. time. Like, you're really just going to make us feel bad for television. It almost seems too too well, small you know for yeah. for instance uh, in that scene where he's where he's cutting off the relationship and he says that she she cannot do anything but reduce life to a common rubble of banality yeah. and he's saying that's what that's television is what television is yeah
4: your television incarnate diana indifferent to suffering insensitive to joy all of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality War, murder, death. All the same to you as bottles of beer. And the daily business of life is a corrupt comedy. You even shatter the sensations of time and space into split seconds and instant replays. You're madness, Diana. Virulent madness, and everything you touch dies with you. In the,
0: in right. 1976, sure. Yeah, television has certainly evolved since then, but it's yeah. not a bad critique. It's not like it's that can't be applied to a lot of media that we take in. Right. Um. It just seemed like there was this sort of rant against television. Yeah. That now just seems a little out of date. You know? I get you. Yeah, and a, a little. Uh, just off the mark because they also yeah because they all talk about like uh even in Howard Beale one of his rants he's talking about how television always will wrap up everything so nicely for you like Kojak will always find the killer yeah. or whatever and I think we've seen shows that have sort of transcended that, that. Yeah. yeah that because they've taken cues from film and what, and, what
1: has endured is like <laughs> the, the corporate interest in this whole thing it feels like the low-hanging fruit yeah. of television rather yes. than Actually, getting at what the big thing is, right? We, I mean, we're we're having conversations where people are talking about our movies falling behind TV as mm-hmm. far as like pushing right. the limits. So, like now to hear somebody rant about TV and like the the triteness of it feels feels it feels uh, like off the mark. It's the way people talk about pop music, yeah, so or video games now, and, right, know. like you only sound uninformed, not. Like above it, it's kind of like coming from a place that sounds like it's above it. This yeah. is not
0: a humble movie, no. And that's something that kind of bugs me. This is where I kind of felt like: Am I just not putting enough thought into this movie, or am I really just not like intelligent enough to get all the different nuances? And yeah, so that's my question. So, I mean, so, I, I, we so,
1: both are saying this
0: stuff like hesitantly, but that anybody with the, like, "Here, here's the thing, though." Paddy Chayefsky had handwritten notes that he took all throughout his script writing of Network. They were finally released in 2011. And he himself wrote across the top of the script at one point, he says the show and at the time he thought it was going to be a TV show. So he said the show lacks a point of view, he confessed to himself. Quote, I guess what bothers me is that the picture seems to have no ultimate statement beyond the idea that a network would kill for ratings. And even that doesn't mesh with the love story. (laughs) So it's like he knew his own problems. And then he says with disappointment, he added, quote, this was in a New York Times article that was pointing that was sharing some of these things that are in the Library of Congress, I believe. With disappointment, he added, quote, I'm not taking a stand. I'm not for anything or anyone. If we give Howard a speech at the end of the show, what would he say? I think I would like to say something against the destructiveness of absolute beliefs that the only total commitment any of us can have is to other human beings. Hmm. So I don't know what... That's not what I would have taken from the movie, but that's no. sort of talking about how even he was struggling with wanting to share these big ideas Yeah, and, how and feeling like... How to dramatize but what's it. the point of view? What's the yeah. what's what's the what's the real ultimate thing I'm trying to say yeah. in this? And one of the reasons this for me isn't quite a five star movie, but very close. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason this isn't quite a five star script for Chayefsky, but yeah, very yeah. close. Like it's got so many great ideas in it, so many amazing, and mm-hmm. you can take certain pieces and just sit with them for a yep. long time and and pull apart all the different ways that that applies to our culture to our country to mm-hmm. yourself to mm-hmm. the way you form your ideas it's worth it this is a movie that is certainly worth it yeah but i think you bring a good up a really good point it's just like when you take the entire movie together as a whole it's not humble and you really still are kind of left with but what's it really saying you know
1: and i think one thing that would you hear writers and actors and filmmakers point to this movie so much i think what's admirable about it and what inspires so many artists and just writers in general not not even just screenwriters um is that he erred on the side of his point of view he erred on the side of the message still needs to come through. Mm-hmm. A message. There and are a lot. There are
0: still a lot of messages. Plural in this. Yes. But
1: so there's something admirable about sending out uh, an imperfect storyline, so that the message is the philosophy can come through. Right. Get some traction. Yeah. And so, be discussed. Yeah. So to people who are struggling. I think it's, it's good to look at somebody who's like, all right, well, he went for it, mm-hmm. and it worked for him, yeah. and there's truth, and there's conviction in it, even with all its flaws, mm-hmm. and so
0: people probably feel empowered by that. I don't even know how he would have fixed it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, what's the answer? You know? There isn't one. I don't know. You know, if there was, I'm sure he's smart enough to come up with it, Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a, It raises a good point of, like, you know, when you've got something that you feel like is, is, is so valuable. But mm-hmm. just comes up short, and you know it. Yeah. Well, I think that where the movie really, for me, comes together, sure, is in Ned Beatty's. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, who plays a who plays a head of a corporation? Yeah. CCA, I think, is the name yeah. of the corporation, uh, which the corporation is basically buying the network because, because uh, based on the popularity of Howard Beale's yes. show. Um, but Howard Beale is telling people not to watch the network anymore. Yeah, you know Howard Beale's truth runs against the grain of the corporate interest. Right, and so uh, Ned Beattie plays uh, Arthur Jensen, who basically pulls him into a room uh, as the head of this. I don't know if he's the head of the corporation or just a spokesperson for the corporation. Right. comes down on high as if he is like a god himself. Yeah, and 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 delivers this what's going to be the new message, uh-huh. and it's a
3: corporate message. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21 inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state, Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts Statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compute the price, cost, probabilities of their transactions and investments, just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale.
0: This, for right now, that was the most relevant thing for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like, more than a lot of the... I I think that there is is still a lot of truth in what Howard Beale says in his rants, but they are definitely populist rants. And they are definitely, like, you know... It's the line that everyone knows, you know, that that you just got to get mad. And then he even says, we'll figure out what to do about all this stuff later. So that's about where his rants kind of end. But to me, the real biting truth comes in... Uh, this whole speech that the Arthur Jensen character gives, because it 's all about how there are no more nations the world is just a business uh what, what can what more yeah, can you say feels... when you 've got a when you 've got a shady businessman as your president you right. know uh, who himself was a television personality? Dan Chayefsky, who is the son of uh, Chayevsky, did say that the, what he felt was his dad 's meaning be, ultimate statement in this was that it was a movie about human and corporate accountability, mm. which I think is a much more helpful way of interpreting the movie for me, yeah. at least that yeah. it's not so much about what Howard Beale is even saying or about, you know, even, uh, the media, although there's a lot about the media in there, it's about this general idea of how much are our corporations, our businesses accountable to the human being. And it yeah. just happens to be fleshed out within this world of news media yeah. in this movie.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you say he, he kind of tries to set him up as a godlike figure. Beale even says after the speech, I've seen the face of God. Yeah. And he says, you might just be right. But yeah, this uh, this idea that, that feels very true is corporations only care what you have to say if they can make money off it mm-hmm. or if it's impeding their ability to make money. So they did not care what Howard Beale said at all as long as it brought in ratings and money. The second he said something that would Threaten their ability to make money. That was when they cared what he said, um, and I think that is tremendously relevant mm-hmm. to today, when you've got you know lobbyists and before it was just lobbyists is the problem. Now it's actual former corporate employees in um, cabinet positions mm-hmm. and um, people whose former businesses constantly sought the destruction of the cabinet position that they are in because it would have hurt their uh, profit that scene i for me as well was was really where the movie felt relevant to today um i can see you know past past decades kind of pinpoint what they may have may have seen as more um relevant but um that idea that the individual is a source of income mm-hmm. or a threat to income is uh the the scary scary idea from the movie that really hit me so that's maybe too then why targeting television as a medium feels so pointless because it's like you're hitting on something so much bigger that to start poking fun at the triteness of television scripts is like
0: small potatoes right uh and, and and actually there was a quote from uh Lumet, the director, said Lumet, where he was sort of interpreting his feeling on network, and his feeling ultimately was that the machines are winning, or to borrow from the NRA, TV doesn't corrupt people, people corrupt people. Uh, So TV is kind of just the vehicle. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder if there is still some critique to be made about television and specifically news media that's televised. Sure. You know, the scary thing is that. It barely feels like satire anymore when you watch oh, yeah. Howard Beale oh, yeah. uh, on network now. Oh yeah, when it you've seen just, Alex you, Jones videos, yeah, or when you've seen you know Hannity rants, or right. but here's the thing, you know, it's easy to point the finger to something sure, obvious sure. like Fox News, you know, that's basically made this their business model, which is right. essentially appointing pundits who know how to whip up fear, anger, and anxiety uh, yeah. within one particular political base. Yeah, uh, but you know what? For every Sean Hannity, there's a John Stewart, a Bill Maurer, or a right. Samantha Bee. Sure. Sure. News and politics as entertainment. I mean, I think there is still a lot to be said about that. You know, we barely even, I think we barely even blink an eye at the concept anymore. Yeah. We tell ourselves it's exactly what we need. You know, if it's saying what we want it to say, like, I will watch the latest John Oliver segment, and I'll be like, this is what I needed. Yeah. And we, we, we talk about these people as if they are like our Mark Twains or our <laughs> Orwells, you know? Right but it's television. I really wonder if there's something distinctly different about television because are they, I mean, I don't know. Is there, I don't know. It's super effective at sparking outrage, but I don't know that it's been able to really overcome that. You know, it's
1: yeah. Is anybody's mind being changed by either side? And then,
0: okay, I'm going to get, I will get political here (laughs) because then there's Trump. Yeah. And, I believe that television media in particular is absolutely complicit in his election because I remember early on in the election, seeing Trump almost weekly on meet the press Mm -hmm. practically every week and every week he'd say something dumber and crazier and you could practically see Chuck Todd's boner because he knew you know because he knew he had a soundbite. Yeah. And it would be played on every other news channel nonstop for the next few days. Has Trump gone too far? Yeah. That's what That's every what week. Was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was a horse race to get the best Trump bite basically. Yeah. And then the way he used almost the entirely used the media to circumvent the political wisdom of the day. Well, and you know, it started, ascends the nomination, right? Despite all the forecasts, I mean, Trump knew what he was doing. We should have seen this all along, especially since network was telling us about it yeah. forty years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, and what ended up happening is that if people cut to any time he made a speech. Then they weren't even they weren't even waiting for the speech and then finding the soundbite. They were just going to show the whole speech, and he got more
0: free publicity yeah. than any other candidate. And it was it was for publicity mm-hmm. by the news media yep. and to, and specifically because television. The most entertaining and. I, I say he know he knew what he was doing because he was a television personality. Right. He knows television, you right. know. Right, I, I I guess I don't know. I wish the majority would have seen all along that it was just more bullshit, you yeah. know. Like that's yeah. all it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my Howard Buell rant for the episode. That's I good. Guess. Yeah. I, I just feel like there is still something about TV, about television, that I should think be you're right. critically analyzed. You know. I think you're right because. <sighs>
1: because it and especially now i mean in the movie you see it there are a handful of networks and being sixth is bad because there's only like six um now there's a bigger handful you know two handful but you're still competing mm-hmm. and so if you can get to it first if you can get to it loudest then you're going to be r- rising in yeah. the ratings yeah. um and you're right about the 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 right has the the Hannity's and uh, tommy laren and um the left has approached it more as like subliminal, almost. Yeah, because all of them work were, were comedians first. It's like we and think, they'll fall right. back on that. They'll fall back on. I the can comedians. be I can be opinionated because I'm a comedian. Like, right, I'm
0: not a news person. And then they'll also, you know, it's almost like. The left, as viewers, uh-huh. can watch that and say, Well, we're not like Fox News. We're above that anger and that ranting. Right. Because, because this is this joking. Is, this is joking. It's classier. Yeah. You know, this is right. a classy, this is the right way to cut through the bullshit and to yeah. get to the truth. But it's the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? In network, one of Howard Beale's diatribes is he's. Talking to the audience about how they don't read books anymore, right. and, they don't, and then he actually says, Mo- "You're going to get most of your information from television." Mm-hmm. And I know so many liberal friends of mine that They're are like, "Thank news God, sources. there's John Stewart. Yeah. Thank God, God, there's John Oliver, because that's, that's where, where I get my news." news you right. know? Yep.
1: Yeah, I actually have been doing a lot of soul searching the last couple of weeks, but I've been realizing about how I, and I, I think a lot of people in our generation, um, and definitely a people a few years younger than us have hidden behind sarcasm and, and humor mm. and yeah. hidden a lot of our meanness in it and also hidden a lot of our insecurities. And I've been thinking about how, especially the way I treat my students um, and and then thinking about like, as I want to raise my son and um, my interactions with my wife, I, I, I wield humor and sarcasm like a weapon mm. that, Sarcasm and humor has been a completely acceptable way to um, veil any negative feelings. Mm. And that has been so destructive because we're not dealing with our negative feelings. A lot of us in our 30s now will look at the younger generation and say, like, social media is so, so terrible because you can make... Hurtful comments. You can post things and never have to deal with the person face mm-hmm. to face. Yeah. Not like us in our day, where if we say something to somebody, we actually like deal with the consequences. No, we don't. We say it sarcastically. We make a joke, and then we have wielded our power effectively so that that person either feels made fun of, or they'll feel, or will be like, don't, don't, "Don't take it so seriously. It's just a joke. Like it's right. fine." Um, we have already created that distance. Um, and maybe people have always done it, but it's still leaving the negativity festering and it's still not getting at anything productive. Mm-hmm. And the right, for the most part, is sort of humorless about everything. <laughs> it's like, true. I mean, yeah. They do resort to that anger, but their negativity is out there. Like they are being more upfront with things. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, at least their um, emotions. Yeah. Even upfront. They're, 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 they're upfront with their emotions. <laughs> yeah. There's some vulnerability to anger there's all, there's definitely not productive vulnerability to mm-hmm. anger. You open yourself up to ridicule is all you're opening yourself up to. You aren't opening yourself up to help mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I, I think a lot of times just, we're just as angry, but we're sarcastic. Yeah, This is not about the movie at all
0: anymore. But it can but, be, it can be. Okay. I, have, I have a way, I mean, yeah. I think it is. I think because what, you, what you've tapped into is the way our generation deals with how we think truth works or how you sure. get to the to the meat of truth and i think the way this gets back to the movie is that we're all being played yeah <laughs> because yeah, yeah. all it was was companies corporations because of all these mergers there's basically like eight yeah, big companies that true. own every every right, broadcast right, right. network and they knew okay this demographic we can create this channel sure. for them we'll do a lot of anger and it's going to get all the ratings it's dividing for the people but... who watch comedy central and for the people yeah. who uh you know have hbo right we'll do this thing and that's what'll get all the ratings. And basically, it's just the same thing, you right. know. It's just they get paid whether you watch, and it gets back to Comedy that Central to that or net, if you watch to, else. to the yeah. to the Jensen speech about it really just being about dollars and cents, right? And the thing that is kind of sad about all this, not kind of sad, it's very sad, is that that those emotions and that anger and that feeling of injustice is very real, right? And. I guess Network might be the movie that just says, at some point you're going to have to wisen up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another one of Beale's rants as well, as he's like, you got to look to yourself. Oh, you listen to yep. me.
4: Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. So if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever gonna find any real truth. (laughs) But man, you're never gonna get any truth from us.
0: We'll tell you I mean, I guess that's a very existentialist kind of thing approach, but I mean the way I apply it, personally. Yeah. When I when I, when it means look to myself isn't to say to shut off the news to not be informed to not figure out what's going on right uh, or even to tune out you know the media as a whole because hey it's all owned by big corporations anyways right the 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 point is to, to not forget that you live situated within an actual community within an actual town with a, with actual yeah. real people around you with right. with with real friends and real family that are actual people. Um, and then the other aspect of it is when you do take in the media, just be alert, you know, right. we have the media, it's there, it's going to be a a culture shaper in our lives. Right. So be smart about it, you know, yeah. <laughs> like understand it, understand where it's coming from. Yeah. Understand that you are a demographic, understand right. that you are a target market, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. And uh, sure. There's definitely that, that, that more positive existentialist sort of bend to it that like you take control of your own interaction Which with
0: it i think goes even to what you're saying is like you know understand that 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 sarcasm is mm-hmm. is a shield yeah you know, know yourself like yeah.
1: don't just fall into the the mode of talking that that your preferred method of news gathering has given you as mm-hmm. acceptable to to use um but i also feel like it's almost like if they're going to pit us against each other, pit them against each other. That read more things. Like hmm. so, I mean, recently in my soul searching, I've been reading more right leaning things. Mm-hmm. Same um, here, actually. Yeah. And I, I still need to check myself. Like, don't just hate read it. Um, <laughs> but like, see where the see where the information is lining up. But also be aware of how they are spinning their narrative, so that when you talk to people, you can talk to them from the point of view they're getting. You know, like. Not just read it to get ammunition, but read it to really understand. Like, well, this is all this is what they've heard, or this mm-hmm. is how it's being told, or this is how they see it. It, it. it is sort of like a Howard Beale rant with like turning off your TVs, not just to shut them out, but to like talk to a person. Right. You know,
0: today um, that might look like taking the Twitter app off your phone. You right. know what I mean? Which like- I did,
1: and Facebook, <laughs> and the, the the part of network that that is demoralizing is when Beale gets shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But two, the, uh, a major point which I've already I've already talked about is as far as our individual voice to corporations and the government as an extension of corporations, uh, it, as as far as our worth as an individual goes, it's only uh, are they making money off of us or are we
0: keeping them from making money? Well, let me offer this, since we've already talked about the the love interest thing between Max sure. and Diana being kind of a a weak link. Sure. One of the things that I thought the movie might be attempting Mm -hmm. that I find kind of fascinating is what if that relationship is kind of an allegory between the viewer and television? Hmm. Faye Dunaway's character, Diana, is kind of representative of television or media, if you want to get broad with it. Sure, And... Max Schumacher is all of us and he kind of is the voice of reason yep. in in the movie itself throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. He right. never really loses that even though he does sort of get tricked mm-hmm. into that relationship and it really, the movie does make it pretty clear it's it's a trick because mm-hmm. he ends up going back to his wife, which by the way, Beatrice Strait, who plays Louise Schumacher, she got a, a Academy Award for her supporting performance, which, as far as I know, is the shortest amount of time on screen no, to get a, to an
1: award. She really won it for one scene.
0: Yeah, amazing scene, though. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you look at the relationship between Diana and Max as this allegory of the viewer in television, one thing that comes through that isn't quite so demoralizing, uh, but more just sort of eye-opening when we approach the media as viewers, and this is kind of where Max was at with Diana, is we want it to provide something that we already know it can really never give. Right. But it's fresh. It's fun. It's easy. Yep. And we can't help ourselves but give into the allure. It seems like it asks very little of us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I guess the only kind of bright spot in the movie is that eventually he kind of realizes that. Yeah. And he just decides to turn his back on it, and and he crawls back to to what he knows was the more honest mm-hmm. thing in life, the more honest love. Which Even was when his, he's his wife. leaving her, he knows. Yes. Oh, he know, and I think yeah. we know this a lot too. Like, I'll be on my Twitter feed, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, this isn't good for me. This is messing me up. This yep. is messing me up. This is one side of everything. I've already created yeah. my echo chamber, my filter bubble, sure. and but I just keep doing it. Yeah. Maybe in 1976, that's kind of what he was saying about television: is yeah. it's easy, you know? And yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that really does kind of paint that relationship in a different light. But it's true that, that it's not it's not insignificant that he walks away from her and everything he says about her and to her is is true. Something else that the movie surprised me this time which was sort of like um relevant to this month <laughs> essentially is the idea of media uh the first amendment And media's responsibility regarding Mm -hmm. content they've gotten a hold of. And in the movie, they get this videotape of a terrorist group robbing a bank, holding Mm -hmm. up a bank and taking hostages. And they decide to hold on to that, and they want to make a TV show out of this terrorist group. If they can keep getting this sort of footage, they'll get really high ratings on this TV show. And they couple it with the news division so that they can say legally this is first this is a news program mm-hmm. even though it's their entertainment division working on it and so they they do all these sort of legal loopholes so that they can call it first amendment when really all they're doing is um trying to be titillating and create intrigue because yeah. they want to hold on to the exclusive rights of it as well one of the funniest scenes in the movie is this scene where there's this communist woman who represents the, uh, the Communist Party, and then this this guy, the great Ahmed Khan, uh-huh. who yeah. runs the terrorist organization. And they've got all these lawyers, these network lawyers, and they're just hashing out the details of this <laughs> contract.
3: I'm not giving this pseudo-insurrectionary sectarian a piece of my show. I'm not giving him script approval, and I sure as shit ain't cutting him into my distribution charges. You
2: fucking fascist! Did you see the film we made in the San Marino jail out, demonstrating the rising up of the Seminole prisoner-class infrastructure? You can blow the Seminole prisoner-class infrastructure out your ass! I'm not knocking down my goddamn distribution charges! Man, give her the fucking overhead clause.
4: Let's
2: get back to page
3: 22. Five, small a, subsidiary rights. That
0: even this 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 ideological party mm-hmm. is fighting over profits, you know? right? Yeah, and so and, f- and figuring uh, out what's f- in it for them, you more, know.
1: I've got more to say about that idea, but I want to continue with this other thing. I mean, you've got this idea of First Amendment rights with leaks mm-hmm. now, yeah. leaked documents. Is it in the public interest to release this information? Is it? Being released just so you can scoop the other networks or websites or, or whatever too
0: hastily without you know right. going through or if, was the motions and making responsible. sure yeah, you're responsible in in yeah. the
1: attempt to scoop everybody mm-hmm. did you release something that was erroneous and did you release it knowing it could be erroneous and that sort of thing but knowing
0: that for that day you'd be you'd get the best clicks right. Or, yeah right
1: so that was just another way that the movie would be considered prescient but then. To the point, uh that scene with the the lawyers and the communists then quibbling over profits, to me it, it that underlines Howard's sanity and his conviction mm. and his genuineness because they all the network execs thought that no matter what happened with Howard, he would fall in line once money started being made. And he would not be a threat to them because everybody succumbs to money. Mm. And when he doesn't, they don't know how to handle it. Right. They are completely Just get rid of it, really. Yeah, so they kill him. But because everything is so bottom line, and again, where I think the movie could have maybe made its focus to to cohere a little bit better, is the individual only has value monetarily. Hmm. Um, And the idea that Howard is a powerful force because he isn't beholden to that. And even communists. Like, there's not even a political ideology that is free of the 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 powers of money yeah it is at an individual level Mm -hmm. you have to be strong enough to say that my convictions are my convictions regardless of how much you're going to pay me it's a movie that champions the individual so yeah okay we get it the corporation the network is bad but what about what, what what do we do i think through howard the movie's sort of saying here's how here's what you do even though you may get killed even though nothing will happen even though people think you're crazy, and even though you may be crazy, yeah. like, say what you believe, hmm. and believe what you believe, and don't be bought, and don't be pressured. If you agree with Howard, agree with Howard, but don't just yell his words back. Mm-hmm. At him. Like yeah. I, He tells people to say, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. He didn't mean for that to be the end of it. Right. Uh, and one other thing about his audience that also could be kind of prescient to fill our quota of using that word while talking about this movie um is i kind of you you kind of start wondering do people actually believe his message are they buying it mm. or do they just like his energy
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know yeah um and how many times did you hear that from people who were planning on voting for trump or did vote for trump true like, yeah. no i don't really agree with everything he says but i like that he's blah, whatever yeah whatever bullshit was a reason. Like I like that he's a businessman. I like that he's uh got unique ideas. I like that he's just like, like it is. It is. Yeah. I like that he doesn't care about political correctness. It, it, it's the, not even the he message. Was, he just was just the, an
0: empty vessel for you right. to fill in whatever hate you had. Yeah. You know just nobody realized how empty. <laughs> and <laughs> Well it's still filled with money. That's true. I, I
1: just think that that's something that like the audience is just there to wait and see like, oh, let's see him implode or let's see how he'll yell this time. And all they want to yell is the catchphrase. And so when he collapses, they just cheer. So I think that is, is also interesting that you can you can get sucked into somebody's energy. Even if, mm. even if that person is being completely individualistic and doing the right thing or, you know, the only person who's actually rebelling against it, you can follow and support that person and completely miss the point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he told them to turn off their TVs. Like he said, like, stop watching my show.
0: But you, did the same thing did happen with Trump because you had the whole, um, lock her up and drain the swamp. These were catchphrases that he knew. Yep. Yep. Got the and he even later admitted to it. He even said, "Drain the swamp." I thought that was such a cheesy phrase, but it was empty. You know, it was just something that people could latch onto because they liked his energy. Make America great again. Yeah. Put it yeah he exactly. Meant
1: that to be his platform.
0: Yeah. Boy, we may lose some folks. Yeah. <laughs> we get we get paid either way. <laughs> that's right. So, um, man, we really talked about the ideas of Network. We really didn't talk about like the filmmaking and all that we much. We talked but, about it. I mean, we talked about the that's movie. That's okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Okay. I'm just saying that... All uh, right. I was gonna use like backing up and talking about like oh the, the, the camera angles is like a sort of, a, of oh, a, yeah. a a safe way of like not having to dig too hard into the ideas yeah. but we went we, we went just head went on for it. Yeah. We went for we it. We haven't so. even talked about Robert Duvall. I know. You Man. love him. I do. Yeah. yeah. You,
1: you do didn't, too. You didn't huh? even talk about him. Yeah, no, I'm just I
0: I mean, you've seen like Lonesome Dove. I haven't even seen that and you like love that. I love Lonesome Dove. I love The Apostle. The Apostle is like one of my all time favorites. What? That should have been our 50th. You making me watch The Apostle. <laughs> I I do love Duval. I think he's great. And he's really... He's goodness. He's goodness. And, yeah, and he's, and, and he's, and he's Duvall. Yeah. So, so where, where does this leave... Where does this leave... You me, and me? Us, also your feeling on the film. Um, oh. Where you're going to leave it. You know, I'm probably
1: going to leave it at a four. Yeah. Because it's a movie, not an essay. And uh, as an essay, I think it's more effective than it is as a movie. Hmm.
0: So if if we could just, you know, have a computer translated into text. No, I, I don't think it. that would be a good essay. Okay. Uh yeah, I think of uh, as far as me reevaluating how I feel about the movie, I, I think for me, I think 4 probably feels more accurate yeah. personally. Um but not taking boy, anything away from it. But there's no. a lot to there's there's so much in this movie. Yeah, is,
1: absolutely. You know, I would I mean I I wouldn't not recommend it.
0: No. I think it's no, still a very
1: uh, a great movie.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, we're best buds. Yeah. Uh, Gets feels good for our 50th episode. Yeah we, can, yeah. we can go ahead and move on to 51. Yeah. Uh, we are not suddenly turning. This is not the announcement episode. Where now we're a political podcast. No, um, definitely we, still. Let's, let's stick to not even really what we know, but what we like. Yeah. <laughs> <Let's> stick to <laughs> we what we enjoy movies. Feel yeah.
1: Feel compelled to talk about. So, um, so yeah, we're best buds. Yeah. We can leave it at that. All right.
0: And uh, let's talk about what we're going to watch next time. Um, Episode fifty one. Let's do that. So for the next episode, episode fifty one, I think we're gonna we're gonna lighten it up just a little bit, a little, and uh, watch a movie that, or night- else
1: we're going really dark.
0: <laughs> Who, Who knows? knows where the conversation goes? Yeah. Um, but uh, the movie itself is not meant to be. I don't think a maybe it is. The problem is we've never seen this movie. No, we have and no so idea. It, it might be a we really dark movie. You don't know anything movie. about it. Um, but. You know, it's by the time we actually get this episode up, it's probably going to be closer to the end of a, or the end of April, early right. May, which right. is you know right around when the the, the blockbusters start rolling out. It's kind of like kind of like Christmas decorations at department stores and malls. Yeah. Every year, it seems to come earlier. A little earlier, yeah. So we're going to perpetuate the problem. Mm-hmm. What what number movie is this? It's part of a franchise, part of a series. Well, you tell me because the name of the movie is The Fate of the Furious. The
1: fate—is uh, that supposed
0: to be a clue as to what number it is? Yes,
1: because I imagine oh. that the, the original script had, instead of the word fate, eight. had F
0: and then the number, number eight. eight. Which, for my name, when I'm trying to cut corners and make it quick, I often do my name that way. and yeah. eight. Number eight. So I really
1: should have known that. And then yeah, but people who speak other languages, which is actually probably why they didn't do it. Because There's if a you're big like international market in, for yeah, this, yeah. If you're yeah. doing this in, in a Spanish-speaking market, they're going to be like the photo? <laughs> Uh We're doing the, the original, yeah, where it all began.
0: Possibly darker. We don't know. Yeah, than, than we have no idea. We
1: literally Nate had to read me a synopsis, like a brief synopsis, one sentence synopsis of the plot, and I was flabbergasted. Of, I had no idea of the Fast and the, the Fast Furious. and the Furious, From yeah, two
0: thousand one, yeah, two thousand one, two thousand one. Uh, yeah, you know the the classic. So tale that movie of, can drive now. It's sixteen years old. <laughs> That's it's <true>. perfect. <laughs> wow, perfect timing. We're, this is why we're, we're doing watching the, the Fast and the Furious. You know the Fast and the Furious, the the time the time timeless tale of L.A. police officer Brian O'Connor deciding where his loyalty really lies when he becomes enamored with the street racing world he has been sent undercover to destroy. Yeah, played by who? I don't even know. Is that Paul Walker? or the Vin Diesel? Sounds like Paul Walker. It sounds like him, but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't either. We've never seen this movie. Nope. I can't stress this enough. We've never seen this movie. <laughs> I've never, yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe I've seen four minutes of this movie. So we're gonna try it. Is Ludacris in this one? Is it Ludacris? I, yeah, I think he is. Pretty sure he's in it from the beginning. Oh, but we wouldn't know. We have no idea. <laughs> There's no way to look that up either. Nope.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, so yeah, we're gonna watch Fast and the Furious. I I don't know uh, what our listeners think of this movie, but I'd love to hear it. Literally don't know anything about this movie except that there's speed of driving. Cars? Could be. This one's not the Tokyo one. The cars go fast, and they're angry with each other. Somebody's furious. Yeah. Are the cars? I don't know. I've never seen this movie. Is this cars? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we really do like to hear from you guys every once in a while. So um, on either Fast and the Furious, on Network, on any of our past episodes, if you're maybe catching up on some old ones as you're watching movies um, that we've done in the past. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways you can get in contact with us, and we do encourage that. There is email, mm-hmm. feedback at mm-hmm. Um We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Not as much as... We used to be. I don't think we both kind of made personal sort of decisions to, right. to, to limit, but we've, we're still there. We're, we're still, still there. active. If you if you tweet if you see it, yeah.
1: tweeted us, we'll we'll get notified. Yeah, um, we've got a thing set up with the post office. They'll they'll send us a a, a postcard if the we get post office or
0: Pony Express.
1: I set it up with both just to be safe. Okay, it was not cheap.
0: Wow, it's worth it to hear from you, our listener. Yep any amount of postage is worth it. So um, yeah, get, you can still definitely contact us on Facebook, on Twitter. We mm-hmm. will we will catch that and we'd love to hear from you. You can also uh, give us a phone call that number if you want to give us a call. 847-306-9532. Anyways, uh, we want to just thank you for sticking with us for network for fifty episodes, fifty
1: episodes, this episode for fifty minutes of rambling here yeah. at the
0: end. It always seems R- to happen riffing. that way. Yeah, um, but you stick with us, right? And we appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank you so much for listening. You want to say anything else? Uh, uh, nope. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Watch Fast and the Furious with us.